This is Carl Palachuk, and you're listening to the SMB Community Podcast, produced by and for the Small Biz Thoughts community. We're dedicated to making every IT professional a successful IT professional. Welcome to another SMB Community Podcast. This is Carl, and I'm joined by my long, 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 long time friend, Chris Tim from the UK. Welcome, sir. Hey, hi, Carl. Thank you very much. Uh, yeah, we are long-time friends. I think it must have been, oh, at least 2008, probably, that we met. I, so I think we met in, in New Orleans, because I remember the picture that you were like, hey, can I get a picture with you? And then we went behind the table. That, that was like my Chris picture for 10 years. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, great. I mean, that was a long time ago. So, yeah, we've been friends for a very long time. So thanks for having me on the podcast, Carl. Yeah, well, thank you, and, and thanks for what you do, because uh, for those of you who don't know, Chris has been in and around, uh, I'll let you give more bio stuff, but, you know, has worked for a vendor, has worked uh, as a managed service provider, currently does coaching, uh, runs a podcast, and recently wrote a book that we're going to talk about, so... Uh, you want to you give some more details, who you are and how you got here? <laughs> yes, I do. Thank you, Carl. And I, um, so I ran an MSP business, as you say, um, oh, way back in 2002 and I sold that in 2012. Um, and then, yeah, like I say, I actually went to work for a vendor. So I went to work at Autotask in the UK, um, headed up their pre-sales team in, in the UK, and then later on kind of headed up the implementation team. Um, and then around three and a half years ago, I, I went out on my own as an independent uh, consultant, specifically helping MSPs to get the best out of their PSA tool. So that's, uh, that's really where I come from. And, and actually, Carl, I think I've said this to you actually before, that, that I pretty much grew my managed service business um, by, by reading your book on, uh, on managed <laughs> services in a month. So, you know, it was pretty much down to your book that, that actually... Um, you know, got, got me to where I am today. So thank you. Well, and uh, you bought a bunch of books, so you must you must uh, invest heavily in furniture with one short leg because you bought a lot of books over the years. So a- absolutely, yeah. What else am I going to use them for? Right? <laughs> so uh, let's uh, talk for just a minute about your podcast. How do we get a hold of that? And um, and you know, who's your who's your co-host and all that? Yeah, so, um, so the podcast is called PSA Impact. So it talks about all things PSA and, and RMM. Um, and, and I run that with, uh, with another good friend of mine, um, Rayanne Bocianico, who I know a lot of people in, in the community know. Um, that normally goes out on a, on a Wednesday. So we record every, every couple of weeks and, uh, and normally goes out um, on a Wednesday. So if you want to find out more about it, you can reach us at psaimpact.net. PSAimpact.net, and we will put that uh, into the show notes so everybody has uh, got it that at their fingertips. Um, all right, and then finally, we get to your book, and you're going to send me a graphic on that. PSA Profitability, the ultimate guide to choosing, implementing, and using a PSA tool for maximum profitability. Very cool. So this is a handy little book. I'm just uh, about halfway through reading it, but... Um, what do you think is the the key thing that people are going to get out of this? So, so the book's really in two parts, right? So the first part is all about 
you know, choosing um, and, and implementing a PSA tool. So for those people that, that haven't got a PSA tool or, um, you know, are, are thinking of, of, of buying one or have a PSA tool and looking at changing, um, it, it kind of goes through, uh, you know, the thought process on, on how to choose one and then how to implement it properly. Um, and then the second part kind of goes through how to actually set the PSA tool up for, um, for maximum profitability. So putting in things like um, your, your burden rate, making sure that, that that's entered correctly, making sure that the costs of your products and services are, are entered into the system um, correctly. Because, you know, as, as we all know, you know, you're not going to be able to get any kind of good profitability out of your PSA tool unless you have the, the costs in there, right? including the costs of your of your. Right. You know, it's so interesting to me that I was talking to Amy Luby um, a couple of days ago, and this discussion of which PSA to use has been going on for 20 years. <laughs> like, and if you hop into a new forum today, whether it's Reddit or Facebook or whatever, I 100% guarantee there's a question, which PSA are you all using and, you know, which is the best and which should I use and all that. Um, and, you know, I think people need to, personally, I think people need to make a decision and move because the second half of the book, the, the reporting and, and setup and doing it the right way, that's where it pays for itself. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, I hear that all the time and, you know, people always ask what is, what is the best PSA tool to, to use? Um, and, and I always use my car analogy at that point, right? Is a, a car is a car is a car. They all kind of fundamentally are the same thing, right? I mean, they all have four wheels. They all have a steering wheel, although somewhere on the other side of... I know. <laughs> um, but right, they, they, they all have a steering wheel. They all do the same thing. So fundamentally, they're all the same. Um, and, you know, the, the difference is in the speed. The difference is in the look and feel of it. Some of them, you know, obviously newer ones don't have an engine in them electric cars, whatever the case might be, but fundamentally they are the same thing. And it's exactly the same as a PSA tool. There isn't a, a better one than, than the other. The, the question you need to ask as, a, as an MSP is, what is the best tool for my business? Not what is the best PSA tool and you know, not what does everybody else use? My, my mum used to have the best saying in the world and I've actually put that into the book. Um, you know, when, it, when I was a kid and every time I always said, but, you know, mom, everyone else is doing it. She said, if everyone else puts their head in the fire, would you? Right. And, and it's the same. Just because everybody else is using a PSA tool or one particular brand of PSA tool doesn't mean you should use that same PSA tool. You need to use what's right for your business. Right. So um, you mentioned a little bit about putting your costs in there. Um, if, if somebody is a, I don't know, We've got two employees, themselves and two technicians. Um, does it still matter to put in, like, I'm paying this technician, whatever, $22.50 an hour plus benefits and da-da-da-da? I mean, does that still, I don't know, help you be more profitable? Uh, absolutely. I mean, if they're a, a, a billable resource, then, you know, they're costing the company money, right? It, it, you know, even you're costing the company money, even if you're a, a one-man band, right, because you're – You've got a, a salary, you're taking some money from the company, there's costs involved in, in having you work in your own business. So, um, you know, any kind of billable resource that you have should really have costs entered in it against themselves. Um, you know, because again, a, a 
PSA isn't going to be able to work out um, true profitability if the cost is zero, because it's going to say, hey, I'm charging $80 an hour or $100 an hour to this customer, but my engineer is costing me nothing. Therefore, I'm 100% profitable. 100% profit. <laughs> so, yeah. So, yes, absolutely. You need to have cost-centered, even if you're just a one-man band on your own. And uh, would you say that off the shelf, plug it in and start doing tickets um, is, uh, is there any use in that or should you absolutely set it up before you start using it? You know what I mean? Like dial it in, have rules, have, you know, put in your different packages, you know, set up contract. I mean, is it a, like you really should invest all that time before you start using it or? Absolutely. So you, you actually said something there about, you know, should, should, I, should I turn it on and start doing tickets? So, you know, a, a PSA tool is, is not a ticketing system. It's a PSA tool, right? So if, if your goal as an MSP is to do tickets to your customer, then go buy a ticketing system. Don't buy a PSA tool, right? So absolutely, yes, you need to make sure that you, you set it up with, uh, you know, the burden, the burden uh, rates of the engineers. You need to make sure that you, you, you put all of your contracts in there. So if you've got, you know, recurring service contracts, that all of that stuff is entered in before you start um, entering tickets into the system. The ticket should really be kind of one of almost one of the last things that you actually set up in, in the PSA tool. So you've got, to, you've got to kind of, as you say, dial it in and get everything set up right in the beginning. Um, because, uh, again, there's no point if you've got a customer that's on an all-you-can-eat managed services and you haven't got their contract entered in the system, you're, you're going to be billing them at whatever it is per hour. And, you know. right. So do you think the, the web interface that uh, so many PSAs have today um, is better? Some people say, well, it has less functionality or it's harder to find reports or whatever. But I look at it and I, I think about what they used to be. And it, I, I'm what the vision I have in my mind is flight simulator, you know? <laughs> <laughs> There's a million things, and I don't know where to start to make this thing work. Yeah, I mean, they have improved dramatically over the last few few years. Um, you know, both the, the, the two biggest ones, ConnectWise and Autotask, have changed their interfaces dramatically. Um, uh, you know, Autotask has built-in um, business intelligence, so it's got widgets and dashboards and graphs and all those kind of cool things built right into to, um, the box. Yeah, that does add a, a, a level of complexity because you obviously have to know how to work those firstly. And secondly, you know, um, if you just leave all of the, the, the graphs as they are out of the box, it's not really going to give you the information that you need. So you do need to spend some time um, configuring those. But, you know, um, there, there is easy ways to actually get the tickets customized and configured in such a way that you can create a ticket in, in one click. You know, I, I actually showed a customer the other day. He was saying, oh, you know, it takes way, way, way too long to create a ticket. So I fill in, you know, a hundred different fields. And, you know, on, on the, um, uh, the, the ticket categories now, especially in, in order task, you can very, very easily go in and just customize that. So all you need to do is type in the customer name and click save and the ticket is saved and created. So, um, so they have become a lot, lot better over the last, you know, five, six years. Right. Well, the other thing that's really been nice is the uh, evolution of uh, the, I wouldn't call them necessarily Kanban boards, but uh, dashboards that have got 
true usable real-time information. So a service manager can open it and say, oh, I have three technicians who are, you know, have work in progress right now. And, you know, there, it's little stuff like that that we think of it in terms of generating reports, but sometimes you don't want to generate a report. You just want the information to be in front of you in real time. And that's a huge thing that we've, we've had in the last, I don't know, 10 years that's dramatically improved all the PSAs. Yeah, absolutely. And there's a, you know, there's a bunch of tools, as you say, there's, you know, there's companies that do Kanban boards. There's, I mean, there's even a, a company based out of Australia that, um, that, that does auto task for teams, right? So your, your, you know, your engineers can live out of teams. They can create a ticket directly in, in Microsoft teams. Um, you know, so they don't even really need to go into, into auto task at all to do anything. They can create the ticket, view the ticket, add time to the ticket, everything, directly through the tools that they're already using. So, you know, there's a lot of those kinds of things coming out. There's, um, you know, there's, there's tools um, like Envirosoft, um, you know, which allow you to, to kind of have a desktop app for both your clients as well as your, your um, technicians. So they just have an icon on their desktop, click on, on the icon, they can create a ticket very easily in, you know, in, in, in two or three clicks. So yeah, the, you know, PSAs and, and the tools surrounding them have come a long way in the last, in the last while. So how much time do you think the average person should set aside to like set up and prep their PSA after they buy it, you know, like after they buy it, before they start, you know, using it? <laughs> I, I guess it really depends on the, the size of the, um, of the organization. Um, but normally it, it's probably around about, you know, 10, 15 hours of solid hours if, if you were to spend the time doing it. Um, uh, you, you know, normally what I would be doing if I was helping a customer with that is I'd, I'd be, you know, selling them a, a package around about that, that length of time. Um, and we would go through um, right from the beginning. And you can do that, uh, you know, 15 hours or, or 10 hours all in one go, or you can obviously do that over over the course of, of a few days, a few weeks, whatever the case might be. But, it, you know, it doesn't take long, but what it does take is, is um, you know, somebody actually having the time to be able to go in and, and do it and get it set up and dedicating the time to do that. Right. So do you, do you think that people need an ongoing assistance? Like, I mean, you said you would send up, you would sell them a block of time, but do they need to like, keep you on the, you know, uh, over on the side for the next year or, you know? So, some do, some don't. Um, I guess it depends upon um, what they want to do. So, um, you know, some people come to me and all they want is, is help kind of holding their hand to get the implementation set up because they want to use somebody that's run an MSP business that understands the MSP space to help them set it up. It's almost that champion. And then, you know, they're, um, that they're off doing doing what they do do best. They're using the PSA tool. They they don't need any further help. Um, then there's a lot of companies that kind of want me to be in there, um, and, and they want to retain me to help them with you know just making sure that workflows are, are constantly set up properly. That they um, that they're working you know training their teams, working with um, uh, you know with with various departments to make sure that everybody is using the system as they should be. Um, because a lot of MSPs have that sort of person uh you know employed or or have somebody actually doing that that um psa champion role within their business so um a lot of people like to just have somebody that they can call on or 
or just have somebody around to tell them the best way to do things with the PSH. So it really does depend on, on the MSP. So one thing that's always been interesting to me is how uh, a PSA on one hand can force you to have good practices. And on the other hand, it can be molded to fit your procedures if you've already got good procedures. And you know, some are easier than others, but uh, let me ask you a procedural question, which is, you know, philosophically, do you think that, you know, I'm sure you've heard me say that you should track all your time in the PSA. Do you agree with that? Or, cause some people say, look, I'm flat feeing everything. So I, uh, you know, I would not bother, I wouldn't bug my technicians by having them track all their time. So, absolutely, I think from a, a, a billable resource point of view, absolutely, they should track every, um, you know, every hour, every minute that they spend should be tracked in, in the PSA, should be a time entry. Um, you know, there's, there's an argument as to whether the business owner needs to do that. Um, you know, if you're going to maybe charge that time onto a, a customer or you're doing something that's customer related that, um, you, you know, you want to be able to track the overall profitability of the customer and the work that you're doing against them and all that kind of stuff, then, then absolutely, I would say that they, they need to, um, you, know, you know, track their time. And certainly on, you know, on, on any pre-sales engagements, I absolutely think that, you know, the pre-sales team should be, should be entering their time because, again, you're going to be able to then see the, the value of that pre-sales engagement and, um, uh, you know, and how profitable you are or, or not on that, uh, on that pre-sales engagement if you win that business. So, um, so absolutely in certain instances, I, I think so, but I, I think it doesn't have to necessarily be every single person in the company. So, yeah, I always find that the people don't want to track their own time. And then the problem is it's hard to get technicians to track their time when you're not tracking your time. Right. It's sort of like, well, wait a minute, <laughs> like kids watching the parents like, hey, I see what you're doing there. You're not tracking your time. <laughs> sure. But I guess, you know, the most of the time, you know, absolutely. Like I said, I think if it's if it's time that's been billed to the customer or, you know, things that you're working on for a customer, then absolutely that should be tracked. But, you know, a, the business owner in, in a meeting with staff, whatever, maybe you're not going to track your time on, on that kind of stuff. And, and maybe you would argue that, you know, engineers that are, are in that same meeting probably wouldn't track their time on, on that meeting um, either. So, you know, it's really only stuff that you're actually going to um, be able to build to a customer either by sending them a, um, you know, an ad hoc bill for, for that hours that, that you're doing or, or something that's part of a, a fixed fee managed services type contract. All right. I just think, uh, you know, especially for technicians, like forget the owner, but the technicians, I think I want to track all their time because I want to make sure that an hour didn't get like mislaid, that you, you were really spending time on something that should be billable, and, but it's not in the system at all. So I'm assuming you're in a meeting or in training, right? I'd much rather know for a fact where you were, um, not to keep track of technicians per se, but just to know how billable each contract is because if, if if a client gets an hour from each technician every month for it, you know, nobody logs it. <laughs> that's not a good thing as far as I'm concerned. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, you know, to, to some extent, I, 
I agree, but I think that also, you know, absolutely the stuff that you're doing for a customer that's that's billable work, then absolutely that should be logged. But you know, um, uh, I mean, I, I've seen some MSPs literally logging their engineers' time when they go out for lunch or they do all kinds of stuff. They want to track all of that time, and you know, that's that's in my mind is just a, a complete waste of time. And um, you know, so you really need to make sure that. Certainly stuff that you're doing for a customer, whether that be research or whether that be, um, uh, you know, on the phone with them or, or actually on site or doing work, whatever it is, that, that time should absolutely always be, be tracked against the customer. And do you think that there are different processes for larger companies than for smaller? Like if somebody's got, you know, 10 techs versus two techs, uh, or do they basically set up their PSA the same way? They set up their PSA the same way. I mean, you know, and, and I look back to when I was a one-man band. I was just as, as interested to see which customers were profitable or which customers were costing me money as I would have if I was a 100-man MSP. Right. So I think it's just as important. In fact, I would probably say it's, it's more important for the smaller guys um, to, to actually know exactly which customers are, are costing their money, um, you know, which customers are, are um, their most profitable, all that kind of stuff. More, more so than, than the larger companies. Okay, let me switch gears a bit. Um, so, the, you know, the big thing is for things like PSAs or CRMs is uh, uh, garbage in, garbage out, right? That if you don't put the data into the system, you can't generate the reports. Uh, some of these systems have these defaults of things like work type and subtype and machine type and, you know, uh, you could spend 20 minutes filling out the front end of the ticket before you get started. Um, what report would you run on a work subtype that would make it worthwhile to put that into the system? You know what I mean? What report would I run? I mean, I think, well, well, uh, I guess if I can change that question a little bit and say, you, you know, the way that I would actually do it if somebody was to engage with me is the first thing we do is we look at those, right? We look at um, the, the fact that they've got, um, you, you know, a thousand queues and they've got, they're a two-man band and they've got a thousand queues and there's stuff sitting in queues that's coming in from all sorts of places because that's what they've been told to set up. You know, I've worked with a bunch of, of one and two-man MSPs that have got a level one, level two, and level three support queue and there's two of them in the company and they all do level one and level two. So, you, you know, the first thing I'm going to say to those guys is get rid of all those other queues and just have one queue, call it support and you're good to go. The, the same thing with, um, you know, with work types, they have hundreds of different work types that they build out on and hundreds of different roles and, you know, issue types and sub issue types for every little thing they can possibly think of. And that just overcomplicates things a lot. And, and unfortunately, a lot of the PSA tools come with those built in by default. Right, so, built in and enabled. And enabled by default, right? But, but in their defense, they are building that because, um, you, you know, there are some companies that will, will buy it and be able to just run with it as it is. So, you know, the bigger companies are going to have a level one and level two and level three support team potentially. Um, so, you know, they're going to build it in for those, those bigger guys, um, but a lot of the smaller people just leave them in place and, and run with it. Um, and, and that's where I come in, right, is to actually say, well, let's take a step back and let's look at the way you run your business and figure out what we need to do and what changes we need to make and then actually go and make those changes. Right. So and are you a fan of um, uh, 
deleting those things if you can or disabling them or combining them? Like how, what's the best way to manage them? Sort of, you know, because you don't want to make a decision today that will cripple you five years from now when you have got six more employees and you've got a service manager and well, you know what I mean? Like, so is it better to disable, delete, combine? Yeah, so, so I don't ever delete anything. I, all, all I do is inactivate them for, for that exact reason, right? And, and there are some companies I, I will work with and, and I'll say to them, you know, let's, let's disable the level one and two support queues, um, uh, you know, because you might at some point get to the point where you have more people in, in, the, um, in your support team and you might have a dedicated level two or level three support team. So you're going to need those queues. So rather than just going ahead and completely deleting them, let's just inactivate them. Um, we, we won't use them. And then at some point in the future, if that is something that you, you want to use or you, you decide that you need for whatever reason, we can simply just go and re-enable it and we're good to go. And what about renaming? Uh, and, and probably the biggest one for me is priorities, right? Mm -hmm. Again, I don't know how many priorities the average PSA shows up with today, but when I was using them, they would, they would start out with like 15, 18 different things. And like, you know, how, how can you have that many like statuses or priorities? Like what happened to high, medium and low priority <laughs> and a dozen yeah. statuses, you know? Yeah. I mean, and that's exactly what I do, right? Is it's most of them nowadays, I, I think it's six, five or six that they have. So, um, you know, it's always P1, P2, P3, and then P everything else, um, whatever the, the PSA vendor decides to throw in there. Um, and normally I would say, you know, four is, is pretty much maximum, right? P1, P2, P3, P4. Um, I would even argue that probably you don't really even need a P4, but um, you know, I guess it depends on your SLAs and depends on whether you're following ITIL or, or any of these kinds of things as to whether you need them to be, um, uh, you know, four of them. Um, but also I, I normally uh, uh, rename them from, um, it, it's normally like, um, you know, critical, high, medium, low, and I normally rename them to P1, P2, P3, P4. Right. So uh, speaking of SLAs, so I've never believed in an SLA. To me, an SLA means if I don't perform my job, I give you some of your money back. Never been a fan of giving people their money back. So uh, we tell clients we're going to do a good job and uh, we run reports and we track it and we think we do a good job. Um, but this whole idea of SLAs seems to me to be one of those things that the technology can do it. And so they brag about it. And so they implement it, but it doesn't actually improve service, at least, especially for small companies who give amazing service anyway. Mm. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. I mean, you, you know, for me, I say to people absolutely use the, the PSA, uh, the, um, uh, the SLAs, but use them as, as internal metrics, right? So you can use them to say, okay, you know, I, I responded to this issue within two hours or one hour or whatever the case might be. And you can actually use that then as a sales tool. So when you go out and, and you know, get new customers, you can say, well, we can prove that, that we've actually, um, you know, responded to this type of issue in X amount of time. So absolutely, I mean, I, I agree. But, you know, I think almost every MSP I deal with all seems to have um, 
uh, you know, all kinds of SLAs in their contract, and some of them are really complicated and really convoluted. And um, it, yeah, it's just it's just way too complicated. I just say keep it as an internal metric so you can use that to report on and show your customers. But there's no real need to to kind of give that to a customer. Very cool. So uh, we're almost out of time, but um, uh, tell me about like what's the one thing that you have to basically show people or get people to do when they set up their new PSA that is universally true, that like everybody does this or doesn't do it the right way or doesn't do it at all or whatever. Um, well, well, back to what we said earlier on, no one ever enters in the burden rates of the engineers. That's the first place I go, right? Because without that, like we said, you know, your engineers are 100% profitable. So that's the first thing we do without fail. We go in there and we make sure that the burden rates are, are entered correctly. Um, I have a whole um, spreadsheet and document that, that I can give to my customers to show them how to work out the burden rate, um, you, you know, how, how to get that cost accurate. And then we go in and we put that into, um, in, into the PSA. So that's the first thing we do pretty much without fail. Um, and then after that, we, we start to build on other things like, um, like queues and priorities and, and statuses and all those kinds of things. That's interesting because that focus on the burden rate, it also um, makes really clear that this is a financial tool first and a ticketing system second, right? Because it starts by saying, let's, let's talk about your money <laughs> rather than let's talk about, you know, uh, whether or not clients are going to put in a ticket. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like I said, you know, the, th the thing is people buy PSAs for the wrong reasons, right? They buy them because they want a ticketing system. And it's, it, yes, it does ticketing well. And I said that in the book, you know, it's like it, th they do ticketing really well. And some of them are, are fantastic ticketing tools, but that's not what they designed for. They are designed really as a money tool as something that you can, you can look at the profitability, get those reports out and see, um, you know, how much money you're making and how much money you're losing from, from your customers. Um, so you need to do all of that stuff first before you do the ticketing. Very good. All right. Well, sadly, we're out of time, but I'm going to let you give your website and the book website, and uh, we'll make sure those get into the show notes as well. Thank you. Yeah. So my website, my consulting website is uh, www.sondellaconsulting.com. And the book website is psaprofitability.com. psaprofitability.com. Very good, Chris, Tim. Thank you for being here. I appreciate it. And with luck, we'll have you back. Excellent. Thank you very much for having me, Carl. Really appreciate it. Thank you for tuning in to the SMB Community Podcast. If you found this useful, interesting, or fun, please subscribe, share with your friends, and give us a thumbs up on your favorite social media. Please check out the show notes at smbcommunitypodcast.com and give us your feedback.